Hey guys, this episode was recorded all at once and it was part of part one, which was released on Monday. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, I would recommend going back and listening to that because it provides all the context for this next episode. But uh, this is going to be all about the tech giants. So we've talked a lot about, you know, capitalism versus socialism versus communism. And then we talked a little bit about how this manifests in different societies. And then we talked about some of the other monopolies in the U.S. Once again, the reason I broke this up was because my wife and myself, we, we both listened to this and thought, yeah, I talk really fast and it's hard to understand what's going on if you're not paying attention, like super attention for an hour straight. So I thought trying to get 30 minutes of your time or a little bit less was, you know, probably a more effective method. So <laughs> here you go. Um, without any further ado, here is part two of America has monopoly problem. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, thanks for joining once again. I'm just going to let this go right into the podcast. Once again, uh, we're picking up where we left off and we're about to talk about the tech giants. So without any further ado, here you go. The tech companies need to be broken up. I cannot be any more clear about this. Like Google, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, and Facebook. All five of those guys. They have monopolies. And it's not like they're trending toward democracy. They've had them for, I don't know, 10 years. Hmm. In some cases, it's been like five-ish. This is, this is miraculous. Like when I tell you this, you probably won't believe it. If you took the market cap of these five companies, okay, just five companies, that's all we're talking about, five companies. Today, as I'm recording this, these five companies, $6.86 trillion in market cap. $6.86 trillion. If you were to say, like, if you were to try to equate market cap to GDP of countries, which is something that people have done before, and you said, okay, these five companies on their own, if they were their own country, how big would they be? Do you know? They would be the third largest country. It goes USA, China, then it would go this tech company conglomerate. That's how big they are. That's how much influence they have in the world. These tech companies control so much. They, they are arguably the greatest um, influencer together collectively in the world, like more than any sort of country or economy has ever been. And I can argue that with a straight face because of their data practices as well. They, they don't only have all this economic power, they have so much data power. What they've done is they basically taken you as an individual, they deconstruct you down into data points and they sell that. Isn't that crazy? We've let them do that. That's insane. You've let someone take a look at everything that you do online. If it's connected to the internet in some way, which almost everything is, and it's going even more that way over time, they take everything they know about you, they create a profile on you, and then they sell it to other people. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like They're taking intrinsic things about you and selling it to other people. And Facebook and Google and Amazon, the three of them combined, when we talk about advertising online, which is really them selling your data, right? That, that's what that boils down to. They gather your data so they can monetize it via advertising for other people. 
if we take these three together, and I've seen these stats from a couple of years ago, so I don't know if they're still current, but at the time, 2017, 2018-ish, these three companies controlled basically 80%, high 70% of the market share of all online advertising. All of it. All online advertising. Because if you think about it, if you have a product or a business, where are you going to go? If you have like a local business, you're going to go to Google Maps or Google you know, uh, My Business and spend money there for ads to try to get local ads. If you have you know, you're selling a product online, you're either going to market it on Facebook or Instagram, or you're, if you sell it on Amazon, you're just going to market on Amazon itself and be a featured product. So, I mean, it makes sense, but it's a problem when we have all these companies doing this. And moreover, these companies pretend that they are one thing in order to avoid regulation and something else. This is something I learned at UCLA that has gotten really bad. Um, so Google was often approached by antitrust, like when it was starting out and starting to branch into other fields, right? Because they started with search and then they started going, okay, we're going to do Google Maps. We're going to do, you know, Google is huge now. They have a ton of companies under them, so much so that they rebranded from Google to a different company name. <laughs> Obviously, they have Google, the search engine, but now they have YouTube. They have YouTube Music and YouTube TV, which are branches of YouTube. They have Waymo, which, you know, uh, is their self-driving car startup company. They own you know, a whole bunch of online tools that you can use to build websites, obviously. They own Google Domains now, which is like its own thing where you can buy domain names, which is a tiny little portion of their revenue, I'm sure. It doesn't add up to hardly anything. But they have Google Cloud, where they do all sorts of online application hosting for you. They have uh, a whole bunch. Of, they have Nest now, right? They own Nest. So all of the, um, the you know, the home-based products are branded under Nest. They have, I'm looking at a list of mergers and acquisitions that Google has made over, since 2001. This number is going to boggle people's minds a little bit, probably. Fitbit is the latest. Um, since 2001, they've acquired 236 companies. 236. Can you believe that? We let that happen. Not, not me and you, but like our, our politicians who we elect have allowed this to happen. <laughs> So what Google does is they say, oh, we're a search company. So when they start their branches off and they go into like Google Fiber, which is like basically becoming a cable company, right? They say, no, we can't be regulated like we're a monopoly entering another industry because we're not. This is a smaller independent offshoot of Google that is going into this industry. We don't have any experience in the industry and we're just playing around to see what we can do. Like we'll see if see if we can make something better. And it's all about the consumer in mind. And it probably is because Google Fiber, I'm sure, has better customer service than any of those cable providers. But here's the problem with that. Google is hiding the ball in saying that because they know that they're going to get operational efficiencies if they own the network. And they know that they're going to be able to speed up the network, provide a better service, provide better stuff because of their experience and everything else, right? Because of their experience in networking in cloud systems in how content gets delivered to devices. They know that stuff inside and out. And they know they're going to be able to optimize it. So they're, they're pretending that they're an upstart within all these other industries that they start to branch off in, right? Until, until and they have this lab where they try to like think of all these ideas to try to branch off into. And then when they finally do, they go, oh, we're this little upstart. Until all of a sudden you realize, holy smokes, they're doing this with that information that they got from this portion of their company. They're doing this with that information. They're tying it all together in such a way so that they have the biggest competitive advantage of anybody in this industry. That's what they do. That's, and it's not just Google. 
Amazon does the same exact thing, probably better than Google does at this point. Did you know Amazon's entire business model is based on a monopoly? I, I've been there. I was a, an employee of the company. I got their leadership training. I know what they teach people. What they teach people is Amazon is based on a virtuous cycle wherein people buy our products because they like our price points. Therefore, we acquire customers, right? So that's the first step. We need to get customers. How are we going to do that? We're going to have a lower price than anybody else on the internet for the same product. Okay, that's the first thing. Then when we have those customers, we give them great customer service. And because we give them great customer service, they buy more. And because we have a larger uh, customer base now, we can, we're selling at higher volume, we can get lower prices. And then it just, the cycle repeats itself. So it goes from customer, customer service, uh, more customers, higher volume. It's just a cycle, 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 cycle. They show you, they literally draw it on a whiteboard when you start there and you go, they go, okay. The whole goal in all of this is better customer service and lower prices because we get more market share the more we do this circle. Also, did you know it's a goal for them to have a package delivered to you anywhere you are in the world within five minutes? That's their, that's their ultimate goal, which is not a bad goal. I mean, it's an admirable goal, but in order to do that, you imagine the volume you have to be shipping at in order to make that worthwhile. And, and also you have to drive the cost down of delivery quite a bit. So <laughs> that, that segued nicely into Amazon entering the uh, logistics space. Amazon now has, it's basically going to be a direct competitor to FedEx and UPS and USPS. When I was there at Amazon, people were joining just because they knew Amazon was going to be a direct competitor to UPS and FedEx. This was in 2015, so five years ago, right? And not a lot of people were talking about it at this time. They thought, okay, I should join Amazon now and just work in some of their warehouses to learn the processes because eventually they're going to need leaders for this fleet. And so these people were coming over from FedEx and UPS, and some of them were pilots too because they knew Amazon was going to do some kind of air delivery, right? These people are smart. Some of them were working in drone systems before, so they got in early to try to you know, level up within the system. And then as soon as they need somebody, you're like, oh, I'm already a manager at this place. You know, That's smart. So last year became the first year that Amazon is basically delivering half its own packages. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I honestly think if Amazon wanted to, they could bankrupt. I know they could. They could bankrupt USPS like in an instant. Not that USPS makes money already because they don't. But if they wanted to, they could basically get rid of USPS whenever they wanted to. Also, they could seriously damage the prospects of both UPS and or FedEx if they wanted to. Do we want any company to have that much power in America, in the American system, economic system? I don't think that's a good idea. Furthermore, these companies, if you take a look at uh, the five that I mentioned that have giant market caps, right? So we're talking about Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Google, those five. FAMG, if you will, not FANG, but FAMG, because we replaced Microsoft, Netflix with Microsoft. Um, if you look at any of those companies, they are all obviously members of the S&P 500 because they have very large market caps. But there are people who are arguing now that the S&P 500 is basically the S&P 5. <laughs> so if you look at it, basically the S&P 500, because of the market caps of these companies and how much they exceed the other companies who are in the S&P 500, they make up, and this is not a joke, this is not like, like manipulating numbers or anything like that. This is, if you, have a, if you have money in your retirement account or whatever that's in the S&P 500, know that any money you're putting into an S&P 500 index fund or something like that is basically 20% of that is being allocated to the tech giants because they make up 20% of uh, the S&P 500 by market cap. 
So there are people who are saying, okay, the S&P 500 isn't really the S&P 500 anymore. It's the S&P 5. Because S&P 500 was all about diversification. It was all about like, okay, what are the best performing stocks? And then if you made an index fund based on that, you were thinking, okay, I just want to spread my money among a whole bunch of companies that are doing well. You can't really do that with the S&P 500 index fund that well anymore. I mean, you could, you're still getting some diversification quite a bit, but you know that 20% of your money is tied up in these tech giants. So more than ever before in American history, our money is tied to the fates and fortunes of five companies. Because if you have a retirement plan, chances are a lot of it, a lot of it is just in like a common stock general fund or like a large cap fund, something like that. And in those funds, I guarantee you have large percentages of these five stocks because they're generally loved by all analysts everywhere. And now American fortunes are tied to this. Like your retirement, like I just said, is, is basically tied to these five companies and what they do in the future. Isn't that kind of scary? Isn't that, especially given the power that they wield in our political system, especially given how intertwined their products are with your lives and their services? Like, imagine not using Google or not being able to use Google. Like, you could probably get by, right, by using something else, but you don't want to. It's, a, it's an inferior product, right, for search or for maps. I mean, people do use Apple Maps, so I guess that works. But imagine not using your Apple devices either. Imagine not being able to use or shop for stuff on Amazon. Like, you'd have to pay more because you wouldn't be able to have a Prime membership and have free two-day shipping on everything. I mean, if these companies are so tied... <laughs> if people don't realize how tied into their lives these companies are, I don't think. So wherever you are right now, as you're sitting down or as you're walking around listening to this podcast, here's something to chew on. Your data, whether you like it or not, is being collected. I guarantee you. And there's a few ways. Number one, if you're in any sort of environment where you have speakers in your house. Number two, if you're interacting with your phone in any way or a computer. Number three, even if you're not interacting with your phone or your computer, like right now on your own, your data is still being collected because I guarantee you, you either use Gmail or Yahoo Mail, or maybe some people still use AOL. I doubt it. You know, use some kind of mail provided by some company. You know what they do? They go through your mail. Wouldn't that be crazy if you had a physical mailbox where someone came by from this giant corporation and checked your mail every day? That's what they're doing. Isn't that funny? <laughs> so imagine you had your mailbox just in front of your house. Uh, every day, someone from, uh, let's say, Microsoft came by your house and was like, oh, hey, how you doing? We sponsor your mailbox. Actually, we bought your mailbox and we put it out here in front of your house. So what we're going to do is we're going to open up your mail. We're going to skim through it. We're going to identify keywords and we're going to try to figure out what, 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 what you like and what, what's interesting about you. And then we're going to put it all in a profile and we're going to keep it back at Microsoft headquarters. And then whenever anyone wants to send you a direct mail campaign, we'll have a profile. We're going to show it to those people without your consent. And then they're going to say what they like about you and whether or not you're a good fit. And if you are, they might tailor the mail based on you. So they might put your name in the mail and they might put a whole bunch of information about you in the mail. Like they know that you like like, um, like Ninja Turtles, Legos or whatever. And they're going to send it to your house. And when you get it, you're going to open it. And you're going to think, oh man, these guys know so much about me. And they're offering me a coupon for Ninja Turtles Legos for my kid. Great. This is awesome. Would you sign up for that? Would you sign up for somebody to come by your house and check your mailbox? <laughs> and, and I'm I'm guilty of this as well. I use Gmail every day. I use I've told you guys I'm a Google fanboy. I love Google stuff. 
I have Google all over my house. Actually, as I've been recording this and I'm saying Google, sometimes I say it too loudly and my speaker triggers and it goes, bing, I don't know what you're talking about or something like that. <laughs> uh, so they're tied into your data. I think I've proved that point. What else are they tied into? Well, they're tied into your personal eyes because you're using their devices all the time, right? I use a Google laptop. Lots of people use Macs. I use a Mac for my desktop. You can't get away from it. You use Microsoft probably for your desktop if you don't use either of those. Like, there's no option to get away from them. <laughs> there isn't. Like, okay, think about this. Any computer you buy anywhere, anything you buy in the US, if you go to a store and you buy a computer, they are going to have pre-installed or, or it's just going to be straight up manufactured by one of three companies, Google, Apple, Microsoft. Microsoft being the most prevalent, obviously. But look, if your computer is not manufactured by them, which if you own a Microsoft Surface or anything like that, Microsoft's in hardware now, so might be manufactured by Microsoft. But if it's PC, either way, you get Microsoft because you get Windows, which sucks, but it sucks for you. <laughs> if you buy a Chromebook, you got Google software on it, right? If you buy um, anything in the Mac world, obviously you're getting hardware and software both from Apple, right? So they're collecting your data that way too. <laughs> but you can't really, you can't buy an electronic device in the US that accesses the internet for your personal use for work or for play that isn't touching one of these three companies. It, it, like, isn't that crazy? Even if you buy a cell phone, you're buying either an Android device or an iOS device. Windows phones are dead. So even if you had that option, it would just be one of the other three. <laughs> it would be one of the three. Anyway, so, I mean, what else do you have as an option for your phone? You don't. You're either giving your data to Google or you're giving it to Apple. And isn't that crazy? Think about this. What devices could you buy that don't touch these companies? Because if you're buying any, like, even if you think about home products, now think, think about all the things that you could put in your house, right? Like security systems or smart speakers. They're all owned by one of these five companies. Even if you're buying Nest products, you're buying Google products really now. If you buy um, anything with uh, Alexa enabled or Google enabled on it, even if it's produced by somebody else and they've now opened up their APIs. So a lot of these smart tools, even if they're made by somebody else with a completely different operating system, you're still getting Alexa or Siri or a Google voice assistant on them. So they're still getting your data <laughs> if you use the services. Oh my goodness. Think about it. Think about what you could buy that wouldn't be touched by them. There's not a lot, maybe like a Wi-Fi router, but like if it has a screen and it conveys information, it's probably being touched by one of them. Even TVs now, think about this. How many TVs have Android on them? so many like i guess roku doesn't but then even then a lot of the apps on it are from these companies so they control your data they control any devices you have they have some kind of integration with them any any electronic device almost i'm almost certain almost all of them if you probably took a, a look at the percentages it's probably like something like 90 percent of devices that you could possibly buy are touching one of these companies in some way and now because everyone's invested in stocks they own your financial future too so <laughs> at least 20% of it, mostly like, like that's the average, right? Because most people just invest in like a common stock fund. So they own 20% of your fortune, whatever you've saved up throughout your life. If you're just like putting your money straight in stocks, what else do they impact? Government, right? They lobby like crazy. So what else? I mean, think about how intertwined these companies are. Like 
I didn't realize this until uh, three years ago, two years ago, something like that. But if you think about it and you really like put your thinking cap on and you start to, you start to identify the patterns all around you and you're like, wow, these things really enrich my life, but they're really invasive. Like, isn't that concerning in some way? It's hard for me to get around this. Like, I, I talked to my brother about this and it's like, I, I understand the concerns and I'm, and I'm like, I'm, I'm scared about how impactful they are in people's lives and how much they control them. At the same time, it's hard for me mentally to get there because I have such a connection and affinity for these brands and I love the things they're making. And also like Amazon has such good customer service. Have you ever tried returning something to Amazon through their chat? Not just like by clicking return. This is a pro tip for anybody who wants to, who wants it. Amazon started doing this years ago. I've done this for like 10 years. If you have something that you get from Amazon that you don't like, don't just click return on it. If you, if you want like great customer service, go to their chat function. Just search Amazon chat. Now it's a robot. It used to be a real person that you could talk to and they would fix anything you had. Now it's a, like a digital assistant based on artificial intelligence, which <laughs> talk about scary, right? Think about how intertwined these companies are and how much they're starting to use AI, right? That, that's a little scary, isn't it? What happens when we get from you know, specific AI, which is just doing a set task to generalized AI? That's pretty scary, in my opinion. Um, but go to, go to the Amazon chatbot and just start chatting with it. You know what I did? I got some protein cookies the other day. By the way, they make protein cookies now, which is pretty cool. 15 grams of protein in one cookie. Um, <laughs> so just go to Amazon chatbot and then type in whatever your problem is. I typed in, hey, I just got some cookies from you guys. And they were completely smashed by another item in the box. So uh, I don't want to... Like, I don't feel like I should have to return them to you, but I also don't want to pay for them because they're destroyed. I mean, I still want the cookies, but it's like, this is not what I paid for. I wanted a not smash cookie. You know what I mean? Like, I still want them because they're still healthy and nutritious, but I don't want to have to return them. I typed all that basically in like three sentences into the box. The first thing that this bot says to me is, okay, I understand your product is damaged. Is that right? And I said, yes. And then it said, okay, great. We're going to issue a refund to your card on file for this product for the total amount. And I said, great, thank you. And then it said, and you won't have to return the product at all. Is that okay? And I said, yes, thank you. And it said, great. Is there anything else I can help you with? Isn't that nuts? That's like the best customer service experience I've had with a person or a bot ever. Like in any, in any way, like that's better than every customer, human customer service rep I've ever had. <laughs> Uh, but Amazon has been doing this forever. Like, like I bought a camera from them years ago that like I opened, I used for like a week and I was like, eh, I shouldn't have spent this much money. So then I went back to Amazon. I said, I opened it. I used it. I don't like it that much. And to be honest, I shouldn't have spent this much money on it. And the person who was helping me on the chat said, no problem. I can see with your history that you're not one to do this all the time. So, and you're a great loyal customer. So we'll take it back. No problem. No restocking fee or anything right? We'll send you a shipping label. You can drop it off wherever. That, I mean, that's great customer service. So I have a problem sometimes seeing the forest for the trees when I think about these companies because I have such high affinity for them. But this is a problem. It's a serious problem that they control your data, your devices, your access to the internet, and a large portion of your wealth, and to some degree, your democracy. That's a problem. These five companies have way too much power. So what do we need to do? We need to break them up. That's what antitrust is for, right? We need competitive industry still. What we need to do is we need to say, okay, 
what divisions of these companies need to be split off? I think for Google, you would say, okay, Nest needs to be split off into its own thing. Maybe even break up the Wi-Fi versus the smart home speaker segments. And then you need to like take Amazon and break off its cloud service for sure. You need to keep its shopping app standalone. You need to break off the video services of all of them. However, many of them have video services now, like uh, with their content, streaming content and stuff like that. With Disney, you need to do the same thing. You need to break up its parks from its entertainment division which <laughs> can be hard to do. That's going to be a hard battle to win because they're so intertwined. You need to do uh, with Microsoft, you need to break off their cloud. Once again, you need to break off their enterprise. With Google, you can just abolish the whole thing. Like <laughs> not abolish, but you know what I mean? The whole point here is not to destroy any value. It's to make more value over time. So what you're going to do with Google is what you should do is you should strip it down to a search functionality. That's Google. Everything else becomes its own company. They never, ever, 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 ever should have let Facebook acquire Instagram. That was a huge no-no. So Facebook and Instagram should be completely separate at this point. For Apple, we need to break off iTunes and Apple Music. Uh, obviously, YouTube should be its own thing. Google Cloud should be its own thing. Like All of these things, WhatsApp should be its own thing. These, these things should not be controversial. We need more competition. And right now we're in a golden age, I think, to right the ship because there are so many people staying home who are starting software companies, who are starting things that could be huge someday. I know it. Like I can feel the buzz around me. Like so many people are starting things. I started this podcast in this, in this pandemic. Right now we have a golden opportunity to kind of reset everything. And it's going to take governmental structures to do it, but we need to do this. We need to break up the tech giants. We all need to be on board with this, regardless of what kind of political affiliation you have. That we should all be on board with this because it drives competition, which drives uh, better outcomes for consumers and capitalism. And it preserves capitalism for future American generations. That's huge. We want that. We need that in order to keep the great engine of innovation and profit generation and increase in quality of life that America allows its people. This is a huge topic. It's, it's so, super important. And it, I don't think it gets much more important when we're talking about politics. And this is not really political other than to say capitalism is better which I guess has like become political over time, but didn't used to be. Yeah, I don't know. That was quite a rant. Jeez. Uh, thank you guys for bearing with it. I hope it was interesting and informative for you. And I kind of feel like this is, uh, I'm starting to hit my stride with these things. If you like the podcast, please share it. Share this one with as many people as you can. We need to create a movement behind this thing. Um, and subscribe. And then if you could rate, review, those things help. I mean, when people find the podcast, as long as people are listening to it and subscribing to it, the first thing they're going to do is look at the reviews and see if it's any good. So I can say right now we have nine reviews or we have nine ratings and we have six reviews, all of them five stars and super positive and uplifting. So thank you guys so much. Like, uh, it means a lot to like start something and try to pour your heart into it and like, and, and like, talk a lot about who you are and what you believe and then have people support that. That, that just means a ton. And um, I'm trying to inject more authenticity into our conversations. And uh, I have some people who are really interested in being guests who have already contacted me who are doing really cool things. Um, so I'm going to have guests. I just need, you know, I need a, a few hundred or a few thousand people listening. That would be awesome to try to get guests on because you know, I don't want to waste people's time. If, if they have a message to share and it's important, then they should have a, a, a legitimate good platform for it. So let's get there, guys. You can help by sharing and uh, rating and reviewing 
and following and sharing the episodes and subscribing and, you know, all that good stuff. I know you're not going to do everything, but, you know, whatever you can do is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a wonderful day today. And in the words of the inimitable Cardi B, let's go make some money moves. Today, you got this. Let's do it. This has been a Worst Pop production.